Thank you for tuning in to the Joint Discussions. This is a growing coalition of information for a community built on all things cannabis. We are curating dialogue between various people throughout the cannabis supply chain to broaden access and to bridge the gap between cultivators, clinical providers, and connoisseurs to unite our community. And now, your host, Dr. Pepper Hernandez. Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Today we have a very special guest here at the Joint Discussions, Patty Lanier. She is a Oakland native. She's with Noble Gardens and she also is with the Moms Do Weed. (laughs) And I actually was a part of a panel recently. I hope to get more involved as you have more things. She is a cultivator. She's an educator. Tell us all about you, Patty. Thanks for taking time to be present with us today because you are more than busy. Tell us a little bit about you and what you're doing currently. Um, well, currently I am starting out our, you know, we're in the middle of our growing season for Noble Gardens. So we've got our plants going into the ground a little bit. Okay. A lot late. Um, <laughs> normally this time of year, I have a huge canopy that I've probably pruned, you know, twice or maybe even three times by now. And right now I just made it under the wire with knee high by 4th of July, because we just paired everything back in accordance with the market and where the market is at and also just kind of where my life is at. I'm a a mother of two. I have a 16-year-old and a seven-year-old. And so they have very different needs as kids. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, I'm managing my farm alongside my husband and we're teaching some mycological related classes and just running our business and trying to stay afloat. (laughs) This is so exciting. So you're a cannabis cultivator mm-hmm. with your family, and mm-hmm. then you're also doing medicinal therapies, mycology education. Tell me about that. I didn't know that you were doing that, Patty. So tell me what you're doing in that aspect or that field. So back up, uh, gosh, to 1998, you know, I'm a young woman and I, I injured my knee. And prior to that, I was just very physically active in high schools and drill team. I was in ROTC. I was in, you know, every possible dance class I could take. And I crashed a motorcycle in 1995, injured my knee. That pulled me back away from all of that. And I ended up relying on cannabis for the pain and for the depression and just in general, just kind of dealing and coping with the fact that my lifestyle had taken this like kind of drastic change. And I got introduced to the gym world and bodybuilding and started working in that field. And so I started working in like weight management and exercise, functional exercise and helping people. I took that and just ate it up. I loved it. I loved kinesiology. I loved everything about physiology and working with the human body. And fast forward, you know, a decade and I meet this guy who's into mushrooms. And I'm like, I didn't know anything about mushrooms. I just thought, oh, interesting mushrooms. So you spend a lot of time out in the forest, like finding them or he's like, no, I grow them. I was like, 
people grow mushrooms and that blew my mind. And so I started doing like research on my own and just kind of reading up on mushrooms more. And I was just like, oh my God, these things are so freaking cool. Like I had eaten mushrooms to trip a couple of times, you know, as a young person. But aside from that, I had no real idea that they had any real medicinal value outside of their psychoactive effects. And so as I started learning more and more about them, I started incorporating that into my practice as a healer, as a personal trainer, which had moved out of the realm of like more vanity kind of personal training, working with bodybuilders and fitness competitors and, you know, people who were more just kind of training for the aesthetic. And I started working more with post-rehabilitative therapy, people who were coming out of physical therapy and who were needing to integrate their healing into a whole body healing pattern. So healing motor patterns and healing movement patterns that had developed compensation as a result of an injury that they had experienced. And so I started using mushrooms and recommending them more to my personal training clients. And so from that perspective, I started working with my husband as well. We started cultivating together. We started a business, Mushroom Maestros. We were educating people in the city of Oakland and Berkeley and all around the Bay Area and hosting free classes. And when we moved up here to Lake County, we kind of continued that, but we backed kind of way off of it because we were really kind of in over our heads just trying to deal with cannabis. And so we continued to be active online in the mycological world with a Facebook group called Mushroom Growing. We have a a little over 200,000 members. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. So we've continued to be active in that regard, but just kind of occasionally answering questions privately and but just didn't really nurture that business quite as much as we had been in our early days before we took on and became Noble Gardens. That kind of swallowed us up for a little while. And now we're able to kind of bring all of that more full circle and we're starting to integrate that more together. And I've got some upcoming classes and teaching at some permaculture events and things of that nature. And we're just going to lace it all together as best we can. But it's, it's always been part of our life. It's always been, you know, kind of as a couple and, you know, healing has always been a big part of my life as an individual. So. I I love that. that. I didn't know (laughs) that about you. I'm so excited. So how do you interlace those two. Now, cannabis, mushrooms, obviously they're both natural. They have huge benefits in their own right. And it's mm-hmm. they've both been researched quite a bit to really show the health benefits someone would get when consuming them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, microdosing is my thing, but how are you building them together? How are you educating and educating about both? Well, I think the biggest component that's kind of coming together right now is trying to help farmers understand how mycology and not necessarily growing any one particular type of mushroom, but just how fungus is part of the natural healthy soil network. So things like trichoderma, for instance, that's what's referred to as a fungi imperfecti. It's not going to produce fruit, but as a something that interplays in the soil biology. It's really, really beneficial. It's basically just like bread mold, but it's really good for the soil because it outcompetes competitors and things that might come in that are really bad for us as humans, like fusarium. <laughs> so when you have something present that you've introduced into the soil network that actually benefits the plant, that is going to be present and outcompete the stuff that you don't want to see. So that's that's one way that we're kind of interweaving it. The other way that we're interweaving it is by, we've always kind of done this, we've always had oyster mushrooms or king's kind of growing in our garden beds. 
one thing that that does is it protects your water table because that mulch layer being inoculated with a fungus that's going to fruit for you, A, you're getting food out of it, which that's always great if you can get, you know, as much production as you can get out of a given square footage in your garden, the better, right? So if you're able to eat out from underneath your cannabis canopy, that's an obvious benefit because you can feed your family or possibly the community, depending on your production levels and, you know, just how much you're getting out of there. And secondarily, it also protects your water table because it stops that evaporation off of the soil, off of the, the top layer of soil. So your mulch is not only now active in terms of being biologically active and producing food, but it also is inoculated with something that acts like a sponge. It acts as a, a protective layer. And once that mycelium that's in your mulch layer starts to network its way down into the soil, which hopefully you do have some good carbon load going on. If you're producing with a hugel beds or hugel culture, you've got a nice carbon layer down there. So that that network of mycelium is going to go all the way down. And what happens is, is it starts to network out way farther than anything happening in that little garden bed that you're seeing, especially if you're in the native soil. That's one of the reasons that it's really important also to be in the native soil, because what happens is, is that mycelial network will start to weave its way through out of your bed and into the soil and the surrounding area. And it will start to either A, bring in nutrients and water and other things that your plants need, or in the reverse, it actually works to help take what you're putting into your garden bed and give it to the forest in the area, in the surrounding area around your garden. So you're actually feeding the area around your garden because there's an exchange and an interplay between all of the roots and all of the network of the plant life in and around your garden bed and in the surrounding area. Anything that that mycelial network has a relationship or a connection to or is able to touch, there's going to be an exchange that takes place. That is so cool to learn. <laughs> like, I love it. I'm just fascinated. I want to, I want you to just keep talking about it because it's so cool. So tell me about your particular farm and what you're growing. You said that you were putting in a little bit late this year comparative to others, but what are your cultivars or strains or your go-to, the ones that you love and why? Well, that's a tough question because we tend to change it up every couple of years. A couple of years ago, I found one particular strain, which is a horrible name, but it's from Dark Horse Genetics out of Colorado. And I tend to rely on breeders. We don't have legacy genetics that we've bred here on our farm. I have a lot of respect for breeders and what they do. These are folks who have dedicated their lives to producing something. And a lot of them I have found in my talking to them and my research is that the people who are doing it for the purposes of breeding, oftentimes they are taking their genetics and they're putting them in lots of different environments to stress test those genetics. And then they have seed production coming out of those individual gardens and those individual places. They're bringing them back to a facility that where they have more control and they're kind of honing things in. And so you're getting a lot of consistency from certain breeders. I could name them, but I don't want to do a bunch of name dropping right now. But I was referred to dark horse genetics specifically because they have genetics that are very, very good for this particular climate. And that name was given to me by somebody who also grows here. Equilibrium genetics is another one. He's got genetics that are specifically bred for arid, hot desert environments. And he seeks landrace strains and then brings them in and 
puts them together with things like Mendo peanut butter breath or puts them together, you know, that with an Iraqi cross, right? Or an Iraqi triangle. So layering some of those things together to help reduce the amount of heat stress or drought stress that a plant is going to experience because you're going to put it into an environment where maybe it's not tropical. And so for me as a, as a grower, that's the thing that's kind of most important. And so this year we are working with Conception Nursery and we ended up getting you're going to love this. We ended up getting a Northern Lights cross. <laughs> that is one of my favorites. And you know that about me. <laughs> I do know that about you. I got it actually specifically with you in mind. So I well, got great. A, I'll come a, check it out really soon. I'll come yeah, up and visit yeah. you and have yeah. some. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, oh, she's I just invited myself. No, you are always invited. Open invitation. So, um, so that is actually crossed with skunk one. So it's Northern Lights crossed with Skunk One and it's called Sweet Skunk. And, or it's also, they've named it Wapa. <laughs> it's just really cute, I thought. And then we did get uh, another old school strain. I wanted to go really old school. And so I got a Blue Dream crossed with Girl Scout cookies. And I'm excited about that one as well. Cause Blue Dream is like a favorite strain of mine. I love like really heavy indica you know just stuff that like just kind of sits you down and just it gets into your body and you're just like and it just it doesn't make you feel heavy it just makes you aware i like the body high i like edibles the most i like rick simpson's oil the best because of the way that it kind of settles in my body it's with me for hours and you know it just doesn't really affect or cloud my thinking and it just it does it like settles into my body where i kind of need it to illustrate to me like hey you didn't stretch today and it's my reminder you know it's my wellness reminder to like you know, self-care, take care of yourself, Patty. So cannabis does that for me. And I appreciate that about it. So. And why do you think that is, why do you think that when we use cannabis and whichever way that we choose to use it, that it does, it just drops us in Mm -hmm. and it helps us remember what's important. Like, I love that about cannabis. And it's certain terpenes and cannabinoid combinations that work best for me. Mm-hmm. But why do you think that is? I mean, obviously, because that's a plant that's given to us for that. But can you expand on that a little bit? Because that's a great topic. I mean, I personally think that that's one of the reasons that cannabis has thrived in humanity. I think that's one of the reasons that people have such a a deep relationship with it is because it is a teacher in that way. I think that it's that way with all of our ethanogenic plants. If I'm saying that word correctly, I always say it wrong, but you know, peyote and ayahuasca and salvia divinorum and even, you know, yerba santa, lavender, all of these plants have an effect on our psyche and the way that we feel and on our physiological well-being. And I think that why does cannabis do that? I mean, it's a very complicated thing. It's because we have the receptors in our body to accept that medicine and they're all over our body. And we're we're wired to accept it quite literally from birth because cannabinoids are are present in breast milk. They come through directly from your mother and those receptors are there and you're getting them right away. And, you know, I think that livestock used to eat a lot more hemp, you know, it just 
I don't understand how we got so off track with our relationship to cannabis and to hemp in general as a plant. It's really kind of tragic. And I think that humanity is really suffering as a result of that being stigmatized and demonized the way that it has been. And I'm I'm really, really eager for it to turn around, no matter what it does to me as a farm, no matter what happens economically, I'm really eager to see on a global scale, people consuming more plants that contain cannabinoids in general, because I think we will be just healthier for it. But I think that's why we have such a strong relationship and such a strong connection with the plant and why we continue to think we're cultivating it. I joke around all the time with my, with all of my folks that help me here on the farm. I'm just like, we are not farming cannabis, you guys. Like, don't get it crooked. Cannabis is farming us. The better we do for the plant, the better she gives back to us. And she knows that. And that's how the relationship works. That's how the cycle works. So the more love we give, the more healing and love we will get back. She's farming us. <laughs> I love I love that you say that. And I'm right on board with you, obviously, as more of a holistic health practitioner, someone who looks at food as medicine and herbs and plants as what we need to be back into balance with not only ourselves, but the planet and then the planet with the universe and so on and so on. I mean, it's all the same, right? And cannabis was taken away from us in so many ways, what, a hundred years ago, and we're seeing everything shift and we're not going to blame it on just the people that took the cannabis away, but we could... Uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's all kind of coming back. Like it's legal in Thailand now. I oh, found wow. I found out. I think I think if I'm not mistaken, I think it was just legalized in Thailand just very recently. And you know, more countries and more states are coming on board, and it just That's makes beautiful. sense. And I love the fact that you said that cannabis is farming us because you know I was asked earlier in the week about the cannabis plant being female, and I thought you know. Yes, the world needs to be focusing on cannabis as a female. Women need to be a little bit more in the forefront. This is very much a feminine energy movement and shift. And Mm -hmm. happy full moon, by the way. We're on a full moon of Capricorn today. So huge day. It's the biggest day of the year, they say, Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. put in manifestations and drop and release Mm -hmm. negative things that don't serve you. Uh, So kind of shifting into that, but also still talking about cannabis. If you were to take that into the next phase, right? A female being cannabis, moving into this full moon aspect, what would you say specifically for, you know, moms and weed and noble gardens, what would you like to kind of just drop out of? And what would you kind of like project into? Um, I think I would like to drop out of the whole notion of cannabis as an industry. That has always made me feel really queasy. Cannabis is not an industry. And that's going to be really, I think, tough for people to hear because there's a lot of industry type behaviors surrounding how it's produced and how it comes to the marketplace and how it's being regulated and how it's being tested and all of these things, right? In some of the most practical senses of the word, it is kind of an industry. It's been turned into that. But I'd like to take a step back away from perceiving myself as working and being in an industry and take a step forward, approaching it more as I am a producer of medicine. 
we are producing wellness related products for patients, not consumers. And really just stop thinking about the finances, stop thinking about the money, stop thinking about the economics behind it. And I know that's not like great in a business sense. I know there's gonna be a lot of people out there who are like very business minded, who are like, "Mm -mm -mm, no, no, no. I can't be motivated by that. I've never been motivated by money. I've always been motivated by helping people. I've always been motivated by what good am I doing for the, for the people of the world around me? What am I doing for my community? What am I doing for my sisters and my brothers? That's where my heart space has to be there. And so as a farmer, that's where I have to, you know, redirect my compass to that space and take a step back away from, well, if it's not profitable, then that means I'm trying to do too much. Not, I'm not doing enough because that's where we stepped into. We stepped into this space of like, you got to grow more. You got to grow more. You got to grow more. And it's like, well, I can't produce the kind of quality that people need. I can't make this plant come to its full potential. I can't nurture it the way that I want to nurture it. I can't go out and really have a relationship with each individual plant when I have 500 or a thousand plants and I, I can't make more of me. And I don't want to necessarily try to bring more experienced farmers into my farm, into my network. I want those people to have their own farms. I want those people to be producers of medicine themselves. I want each of us to have our own individual little plot, our little thing. And you have a little tiny network of people that you're spreading your product out to. I don't need to be selling to thousands and thousands and thousands of people. The idea of that's great and all, but that's really not what this, this is not what it's about for me. You know, I never really was. When we started as a Prop 215 farm, we had 36 patients. We, you know, everybody was happy. Everybody got what they needed and we were getting what we needed as a family. We were able to do what we needed to get done. And it was great. And the more that it became about economics, I think the further we get away from the meaning of, of what we're doing here. And I'd like to see us step away from that and step back into the space of healing and take that conversation and reroute it in that direction. You could not have answered those questions better. Like Patty, <laughs> I just, I, I love so many things about you. You're a fabulous human. And you are pushing this onto another level. And I'm so grateful for you being not only on the program with us today, but just speaking your truth in so many ways. You know, I am a huge platform person for craft cannabis and educating, right? And education before medication, absolutely. But educating our community, educating others on how to do it themselves, because that's really where it's at. That's mm -hmm. really where it's at. And that is really where it's at. I mean, just what you said about shifting from the thought of consumers to patients and more like corporate cannabis versus craft cannabis. I mean, that's where I've always been. Yeah. But as I'm traveling, you know, today I'm out of Colorado, as I'm traveling, it's just a consumption nation. And the people that are putting out products, it's really difficult as a consultant, as you know, a cannabis therapy consultant for the Cannabis Holistic Institute and just a holistic health practitioner being asked on a regular basis from cannabis patients and clients mm -hmm. of products to mm -hmm. use. Yeah. Not what plant do I go buy and right. then how do I grow it? Right. But, and where can I find that here in town? Right. right. 
Yeah. You know, it blows me away and not just here in this community, but like everywhere around the world, I take clients from all around the world and they're like, can you find something in my community? I'm like, well, why don't we start by finding you a plant and go from there? Because really a lot of products and I don't know, I may be just kind of going off the wall here on our little joint discussions, Patty, but (laughs) a lot of products are bad. Yeah. A lot I, of I, products are bad. I, I personally don't it. use it. Oh, I'll, say, I'll say it. I didn't want to say I'll it. I'll say I it. Don't I don't wanna, care. I don't, yeah, I just, you know, I, I have a really good friend who went to a session in Oakland and he just was like, I'm going to go check it out. And I was like, okay, well, be careful, you know, <laughs> because it was like, you know, it's an unregulated marketplace, which is fine, whatever. He went and he texted me when he got back and he sent me a picture of a little container, a little like, cosmetics container and it contained these little crystals and he's like well it finally happened somebody's turned cannabis into a drug I I was like what is that and he's like it's called diamonds and I was just like wow that's intense dude and he's just like yeah and I said did you use it and he's like I'm not using this On that note, Patty, oh my gosh. I mean, you and I could just chat all day. And this is an interview about you, but I'm going to add this little piece. The other day, a client sent me a picture of a rolled joint with about, I would say, two thirds of it covered in what looked like sugar and said, should I start with this? (laughs) That was the question. I immediately called them. I said, absolutely not. not. I said, I have no idea what's on that. I don't know what company that was. Come to find out it was a really, really reputable company that I love based out mm-hmm. of Oklahoma. And it was, it was really good organically grown cannabis hand rolled. It was yeah. great, but it was diamonds on the wow. end for a newbie for a person who had never smoked cannabis or used cannabis, the (sighs) bud tender had referred that and didn't even know the terpene or cannabinoid count within the cannabis flower, more or less the diamonds on it. However, from the bud tender's perspective, that was going to help them sleep. I was uh, so for great. Like and a this month. was like a, oh yeah. or or maybe not that could have <laughs> been extremely paranoid. I don't right. know, or both, right. or both. And the crazy thing is, is this woman. Uh, I mean, obviously, HIPAA laws. I can't give too much information, but this woman was probably sixty-eight. Oh my god! Yeah. Okay. So, okay. thank goodness she had already purchased it, and yes, it was right. from a great company who I support. Yeah. However. Yeah. It was like absolutely the wrong fit. Right. Absolutely. And so you're right. They have turned it. And when we say they, it's this elusive, like giant corporate they, but it's more about like, let's get to the flowers. Let's get to the plants. Mm -hmm. Let's find the right cultivar. I mean, just that alone, finding the cultivar for the body system that right there is enough work. Right. I mean, even in dabbing, even in dabbing, like, you know, live rosin extraction, full terpene, full broad spectrum, that has its place within the medical community as far as needs are concerned. If you've got a patient who's suffering from MS or, you know, suffering from Parkinson's disease, right? There are all of these applications. It's just, you have to find the right medicine for the right person. And yes, there might be someone who a little bit of those diamonds kind of mixed into a joint might've been the absolute right medicine, but 
if your bud tenders who are really, you know, they're functioning as pharmacy people, right? They're, they're pharmacy techs for the lack of a better word. There are bud tenders, there are people, they've got to be able to ask the right questions of the patients and say, when was the last time you consumed cannabis and what did you consume and what was your experience? And do you remember what you smoked? That would be a great starting question. Absolutely. Because a lot of these people who are coming onto the scene, they may be in that age bracket, that 60, 70. I have 80 year old clients who are just now coming back to cannabis and they may have either had a really good experience when they were younger with them or never touched it, you know, because the hype. Right. And so, yeah, there's just so much more that needs to go into all of this. And we could have a series, you and I, of discussions on all of these things, which I hope that we choose to do at some point. That would be great. What, if anything, could you really give the listeners at this point on why it's so important to choose craft cannabis, to focus on those specific flowers and just start there? Because we're not talking to the chronic patients who have used cannabis for 10 years, who can vape, who can dab, who can do diamonds, who might be wanting to watch out because we do have what we call CHS now, cannabis hyperemesis syndrome for those people who are over consuming. And I really think it has to do with chemicals, but Mm -hmm. that's a whole nother conversation. What do we do for those newbies? How do we explain to them about craft cannabis and the kind of stuff that you're talking about? Well, I think from the space as a producer, right? I think for all of us, whether you're in manufacturing, which would, you know, for people who are listening, who don't really understand that here in California, and I don't know how it is in other states, but here in California, everything's been broken down into separate segments. So it used to be that when you had a craft cannabis farm, and that's all there ever was, there was never a mega farm because mega farms were illegal and you would just get busted. Anything over a thousand plants, you were really rolling the dice. You were going to get seen from the sky. They were going to come cut you down. So there was never anything other than craft cannabis. And now that has shifted, that has changed. And that's, is what it is. I'm not going to go beyond that. Wherever you're at in California, you've got farmers, you've got manufacturers and manufacturers have the role of taking raw product from the farm and producing these things that we're talking about. These would be distillates, which are just completely stripped down. And then any terpenes or cannabinoids or anything like that are going to be added back in. They're just really stripping down to get just straight THC. And that's what diamonds is. Diamonds is just your straight THC. There's really not much else in there. Then you've got your live rosin extractions. That's something that's taken from the plant in form of fresh frozen. So the whole plant is, the whole bud is taken. It's trimmed right there on the scene. It's flash frozen, typically on dry ice, bagged and then in dry ice. And then it is either gyrated and the trichome heads, the oils are shaken off, or it might be go through a washing process. That is a live rosin extraction. And you're going to go through that. That product is going to then get pressed through a fairly low heat and high pressure, and you're going to get some oils that are going to get extracted out of that. And you're going to take that and consume that. That's a fairly 
holistic product as far as I'm concerned as a consumer and as a patient, as a farmer. And then you've got just straight up bubble hash, which you can take the whole bud, the whole flower. You can really take everything except the fan leaves and you can just ice water hash that. It's going to be a darker product. That's my personal favorite. Or you can take that and you can take it one step further and you can actually convert that into Rick Simpson's oil using 100% food grade ethanol. And then you cook off the ethanol and then you're left with like a tar type substance. That's also that to me, that's your deepest form of healing. That's your most full spectrum plant extraction. It looks like it's black. It's, it's doesn't taste particularly palatable. It's really intense stuff. And you can maybe consume something about the size of a grain of rice would be like a starter dose for someone. And that's usually reserved for people who are like really, really suffering. You're trying to heal cancer. You've got Parkinson's disease. You've got epilepsy, right? You've got some kind of neurological. So that's where we are. We've got farmers, you've got manufacturers, and then you have the people who move it into the marketplace in the form of distributors and retailers. It doesn't matter where you are in that spectrum. The important thing to recognize is that we're here in this space where we have everyone's ear. We're on stage. The whole nation is paying attention to cannabis right now. And if we're not careful with the way that we handle this, we can turn a lot of people off because people can have really bad experiences on cannabis. People can have paranoid fits on cannabis. People can experience really scary things consuming this plant and consuming the concentrates from this plant. So we could flip this ship around and demonize it again if we're not careful. And so it's really, really important that we handle this with a lot of care and make sure that the people who are producing it are producing it in a way that is not robbing the earth of its resources, especially here in the state of California, where water resources are, they're, they're fragile. These networks and these relationships that we have with the community are fragile. And craft cannabis producers are livestock farmers. We're families. We have children. Our parents oftentimes were farmers themselves and produced cannabis. We're producing it small enough so that our footprints, our carbon footprint is actually a positive carbon footprint. We're leaving that piece of land in a better state than it was in before. We're not disturbing huge patches of soil. We're not erecting huge pieces of infrastructure made of plastic and glass and steel that in and of itself is creates a carbon footprint. All of those things, when you start to look at an industry as being either a polluter or being something that's giving back, craft cannabis is 100% all about giving back. And anything, when you start to do it, beyond a certain scope. Whenever you start to scale things up, you start to lose your ability to do that because it just gets harder to do that. Because when, you know, one of the things that we saw as a farm is just the pest stress alone amplifies to a point where you really are no longer able to utilize the kinds of tools that you were able to utilize before to control pests because you've just got so many plants there's only so many ladybugs are going to be in your farm <laughs> to really kind of help you. You know, the regenerative farming is in and of itself it is scope limiting. And so that's why craft cannabis is so important. And that's why it's also so important that we be very careful that we talk to people about controlling their consumption and understanding that having a healthy relationship with this plant is very, very, very important and making sure that we keep it out of the hands of teenagers and kids whose brains are still very fragile and are not fully developed, whose frontal lobe is still not connected so that they are not 
forming habit, forming relationships with the plant, because the plant is not addictive, but the psychoactive effects of the plant and the complacency that the plant can bring, and just the sensation of like ease that the plant can bring can be very destabilizing for the young mind. And so that's also a really important thing that we as producers, we have to be very careful about how we handle bringing this plant to the community, because we could flip it again, the script could flip. And, you know, we've seen it happen just recently in some stuff in government. So we just want to be really careful to handle that with a lot of care, I think, and respect. Thank you so much for saying all that. What great information that you just gave the listeners. I mean, fabulous, absolutely fabulous. (laughs) I love you so much. And I love you taking time to be here today. Before we let you go, can you let me know or let us know a little bit about Moms Do Weed and then how we can find you if we want to reach out to talk with you, yourself specifically, or Noble Gardens or anything like that? So thank you, by the way. (laughs) It's been such an honor to be here with you. I love you so much. You're, You're like such an inspiration to me. I'm so glad that I've had the opportunity to connect with you. Huge, huge love. Um, so Moms Do Weed is something that I am doing with uh, with my partner, Chia Rodriguez. She is with Arcana Flowers. I am with Noble Gardens. So anytime you see those two brand labels on the shelf, that would be one huge way that you can support us. If you don't see our brand on the shelf, you could always ask, why don't you carry Noble Gardens? Why don't you carry Arcana? They are two rockin' chicks and, um, you know, they're, they're doing a lot for the community and we'd like to see them on the shelf. I'd like to buy their products. Can you carry them? So you can go to your local retailer and ask to have our products on the shelf. The other thing you can do is you can find me on Instagram at noblegardens.ca on Instagram, on IG. You can find me on Facebook, uh, also under the farm name Noble Gardens. You'll recognize our logo. It's a like really pretty kind of rainbow skyscape of mountains with a, it could be a cola, it could be a tree <laughs> off to the side. And, and we left that ambiguous on purpose, but it is a ponderosa tree that actually if you're up in our garden you would see that um, that's actually a, a picture from our landscape that's been taken and morphed into a graphic so you can you can support us that way um, and you can also support us just by asking for sun-grown flower wherever you are that is if you can't support us individually you can support us as a group you can ask for sun-grown California cannabis at your local retailers here in California. And on a national level, if you're listening and you're in Oklahoma, if you're listening and you're uh, in Washington or Colorado or anywhere else, ask for craft cannabis. Ask who grew this weed. I want to know who they are. I want to see their label. I want to be able to look them up and I want to see a human face. I want to be able to see the farmer and I want to be able to somehow connect this to a human being that's how you can support us the best. I agree with you. I think anywhere you're at, ask questions, ask questions directly to the farmer if you can. Um, If you can't, then where you're purchasing it from, either if it's the plant that you're deciding to grow or the flower that you're deciding to consume, make sure you know about cannabis because it's extremely important you know what's going in your body. Absolutely. We've got dogs running around. It started to rain. There's a lot of audio happening here. Anyhow. <laughs> I can't hear any of it. I, well, I did hear the little tick, 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 and that's all I heard. 
was perfect timing for the ending of our show. So I just want to thank you, Patty. I want to thank everyone for listening today. And I hope that you've gained a little bit of knowledge on some amazing content for cannabis consumption. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Dr. Pepper Hernandez, and let's make this your very best life ever. 